In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
defend us, gracious Lord. sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us in our day by the same Spirit to have a right understanding in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his holy consolation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading appointed for this day of Pentecost is from the book of Genesis, the 11th chapter. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, Come, and let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower 
which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Come and let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. second reading appointed for this day of Pentecost is from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my flesh on my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you, while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you, before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to We confess together our Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds. 
God of God, the light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace and peace be yours from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for this day of Pentecost that we mark is from the second chapter of Acts. You heard it read a moment ago. Considering those who did see these disciples, these Galilean disciples, all speaking suddenly in languages they hadn't previously known, we're told of these who saw them and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. As far our text, friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, especially Nicholas, you today, on this day of your confirmation. I don't have to tell you that communication is awfully important, even for those considered great communicators. President Ronald Reagan, noted even by his political foes and adversaries as one who really had earned the title and name the great communicator, Reagan once recounted the time when, while yet governor of this state, California, the time that he made a speech in Mexico City. After I'd finished speaking, he recalled, I I sat down to rather unenthusiastic applause. I was a little bit embarrassed by that. The speaker who followed me spoke in Spanish, which I didn't understand, and, and he was being applauded about every paragraph. And so, to hide my embarrassment, I started clapping before everyone else and longer than anyone else until our ambassador leaned over to me and said, Governor, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's interpreting your speech. There's a lot of that sort of misunderstanding in the world today, particularly when it comes to God. Since the fall into sin, all men have been born with a sin-darkened understanding, or perhaps we should rightly say misunderstanding, of God, born with a natural ignorance. It's a harsh word, but it's not mine. Scriptures. With a natural ignorance of who God is, of what kind of God He is, of, of what things this God has done, Namely, what things he's done for us. Natural man does not know these things because, as Scripture plainly says, natural man, as Paul writes, cannot, in the Greek, is not able to know the things of God. They're spiritually discerned. They're communicated by the Holy Spirit. They're understood only by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Scripture would explain further. Paul would write in another place, What man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? In other words, who knows you but you? Who knows you better? Uh, Who knows you better than anyone else but you? And so is Paul's reasoning. And then he goes on to say, Even so, no one naturally knows the things of God except the spirit of God who reveals them. And so Martin Luther would explain, and Nicholas, you know this phrase well, and many others of you do too as well in your confirmation training. Luther would explain, I cannot, he says, by my own reason or strength, know the true God. In Luther's words, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit, he says, calls me by the gospel and enlightens me. With his gifts. 
You see, by nature, our understanding is sin-darkened. And while natural man doesn't and he can't understand the things of God, that's to say that there is foreign to him and, and incomprehensible as a, as a foreign and unknown language would be, still, while he doesn't and can't understand these things naturally, that certainly doesn't stop us, mankind, from clapping wildly and applauding ourselves over things that in sinful ignorance we suppose and we think and consider to be so praiseworthy. The truth of it is, man has really never stopped, has he, building his towers to heaven. Void of the spirit-given knowledge that we can't. Heaven, heaven can't be invaded by us. And yet, as brick upon brick, so man of his own device has, has built argument upon argument, conjecture upon conjecture, doctrines upon doctrines, striving in the self-congratulatory strain of his own efforts and reason, striving heavenward on self-made ladders that never actually get off the ground. Our understandings darkened so that we're confused. A few years ago, a report by the American Association of, of Publishers indicated that the publishing and reading of, of religious books had increased 40% in one year. It's quite a jump, but it goes to show religion's not at all dead. It's just very, very confused. It's so confused because, as said, well, ignorant about just about who God is and what he's done, still man professes widely about him. But many different things. Some profess a God who's just wrath against our sin can be placated and pacified by the mere regular observance, outward observance and recital of, of certain basic things according to certain times. Others profess a God far warmer, you might even say a bit more cuddly, much like a house pet that can be held close and warm for comfort, but a God that would really never tell you what it thinks. One whose high and holy will of right and wrong seems conveniently to conform like soft rubber to the desires and wishes of those who would claim him. Some profess no God at all, but a, a freedom from any lasting pain in this world by a nirvana achieved along a, a path of enlightenment. Some profess that, a man, that as man is, God once was. And as God is, man too can become. Others profess that there's not just one God of this world. There are many gods but, gods, but with limitations, the same limitations and shortcomings as men. And still others, brick by brick. Brick by brick, they build not a tower toward God, but an altar to man, insisting that he, the human being, is the pinnacle of evolution and the ultimate arbiter of everything that is true, if indeed there is truth at all. Confusion. Confusion. Because certainly they can't all be right. Confusion. A confusion about God, a confusion that should surprise us very little. For by nature our understanding is indeed darkened. That's why the Holy Spirit's work is so important 
He is the great communicator, the greatest communicator, the great communicator of the things and the works and the words of the true God. And as we consider our Pentecost text, isn't that exactly what the Holy Spirit was communicating there to, in, in the text on that day of Pentecost? Isn't that exactly who the Holy Spirit was communicating on that day of Pentecost, namely Christ, the Son of God, who was given over to death for transgressions and then raised to life again to ensure our forgiveness, our texts for today, cut off about one-third of the way through the Pentecost account. You read the entire sermon there that Peter gives, it's entirely about Christ, about Christ Jesus and what he's done, certainly. Certainly, the, the speaking in previously unlearned languages was impressive indeed, but it was, mind you, albeit miraculous, it was indeed merely a means to an end that day. A means used by the Holy Spirit to a particular end. God, the Holy Spirit, that great communicator, that day was taking advantage of the fact that on that one day, some 50 days after Pentecost, and so the Greeks called it, rather 50 days after the Passover, and so the Greeks called it Pentecost, the Holy Spirit there was taking advantage of the fact when, when these Jews from all over the world, the ends of the earth, had, had traveled to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks, this, this harvest feast. The Holy Spirit was taking advantage of the fact that all the ends of the earth had come there to one place, Jerusalem. And he, the great communicator that the Holy Spirit is, was not about to let them all disperse and go back to their homes and to their lands without first imparting to them, communicating to them in their own languages, what the mighty work of God that he has done in Christ Jesus. And you heard it in our text. For today, the reading, the sermon text, those astonished Jews from all over the world said what? They said, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Those apostles were speaking about what Christ had done. The saving work of Christ Jesus, you see, that's really what Pentecost is all about. Martin Luther puts, puts that well, too. He says this, This is the office and work of the Holy Spirit, to reveal through the gospel what great and glorious things God has done for us in Christ. Namely, that he has redeemed us from sin and death and, and the power of the devil. That he has taken us into his grace and protection. He's given himself utterly and entirely for us. He's right, isn't he? Luther's right. Made, certainly made possible by the Holy Spirit, yet this day is really all about Christ and what he's done. Because you see, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit didn't take on our flesh, did he? Christ did. The Holy Spirit didn't live a life to perfection so that you and I could wear that perfection all over us in baptism to cover our imperfection. But Jesus Christ did. The Holy Spirit didn't suffer literally and truly all hell to pay for the transgressions that we've committed against God, but Jesus Christ has. 
Pentecost is truly about Christ, isn't it? But the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that, as Jesus said, takes of what is mine. What he's said and namely what he's done. He takes of what is mine and declares it to you. You and I who otherwise wouldn't and couldn't know the way to the only God and to heaven. Through the work, solely through the work of Christ Jesus. How? Consider how did the Holy Spirit declare the work of Christ on that Pentecost day? No differently, I tell you, than he does here to you today. The greatest miracle of Pentecost is not the sound of rushing mighty wind or tongues of fire or Galilean disciples speaking in languages they hadn't known before. The greatest miracle of Pentecost is the creation of trust in Christ in individual hearts. That day numbering 3,000 we're told. This day today numbering well over that over the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit worked that day through preaching. Just as he does today. Through preaching. Scriptural preaching. Because as you heard in our text, St. Peter had a text too, didn't he? From Joel. And he would go on based on that text to preach Christ and him crucified. Through preaching. And mind you, not a booming voice from heaven. We don't hear the Holy Spirit in a sense at all that day, do we? But the voice of a fisherman named Peter who'd been charged by Christ to proclaim what Peter had seen with his own eyes and heard Christ say the Holy Spirit speaking through him. And it wasn't a baptism with tongues of fire and rushing wind that created faith. Remember those miraculous things? What did they do? They really only piqued the curiosity of those in the city that day that, and, and that drew some together. The bewildered, it drew them together to see what was going on. No, it was the same watery baptism through which you and, and I, through which we've been called into Christ's family as church. The same baptism administered that day to 3,000 that day and to many, many more the world over this day. Word, sacrament. If on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit then was working by the very same and seemingly ordinary things that he has ever since, you might say, well, all right, then what's the big deal? What, what's so special about Pentecost? The better question is this. What's so ordinary about today? It's not ordinary at all, is it? If indeed, it's by these very things, word and sacrament, and it is, by these things that God sees fit to teach of his mighty works and to plant as, as, as a seed faith and then nourish that faith and, and water it to grow it. If by these things he, he designs to plant and grow faith within us, then, then you, you who are in the youth and spring of your life, you, Nicholas, and others here today, as you grow in years, don't cut yourself off from these vital words of our Lord and of him, about him and his sacrament. Don't cut yourself off because the world will seek to cut you off from them. 
It'll grow in the way as weeds. Don't cut yourself off and pray. Pray that as you grow older, you'll always hunger and you'll always thirst for these things. And may that be the prayer of all of us too, who move from the spring of our years to the summer and then the autumn of our life, that as we grow in years, we would never presume to have grown wiser than the triune God who gives these things to us in order to use them and use them often. But be you young or old, be under no illusions. You'll be mocked, just as they were on the day of Pentecost. You too will be mocked. You'll be ridiculed by those who, by nature, don't know the things of the Spirit of God and would think them foolish. You'll be dismissed as weak-minded for the preaching that you come to hear and this sacrament of Christ's body and blood you receive today, Nicholas, you for the very first time, this word and sacrament that you come here to receive, you'll be ridiculed about it. Maybe you'll be thought less of by some, maybe even family. Because of the high priority that you make of it for yourselves or for your children, you'll be called closed-minded because of the exclusivity that Christ Jesus declares about himself and therefore that we as Christians must also confess when he says I am the way and the truth and the life he says no one comes unto the father but by me you'll be criticized for agreeing with Peter who said there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved, no other name than the name of Christ. Maybe you'll be marginalized by some because compelled by love for them, you can't leave unsaid what you would long to communicate to them, that which once was communicated to you, the saving work of Christ Jesus and what it means for each and every one of us. It brings to mind the image that archaeologists unearthed some time ago found when excavating the site of a school for imperial pages, errand boys, from third century Rome. The image shows a boy, his hand raised. He's worshiping the, a figure that's on a cross. And that figure, it looks like a man, but it has the head of a, a donkey. Scrawled in writing, scrawled in the writing of a, of a young person, are the mocking words, Alexamenos worships his God. And not so far away from that, nearby that inscription is another inscription, written by the hand of another, obviously the hand of another, and it says, Alexamenos is faithful. For your intentional or perhaps unintentional confession of the faith, some will mock you. But I tell you, others will thank God for you eternally. They'll thank God because they couldn't help but notice the priority that you set. They couldn't help but notice the stand that you were compelled by conviction to take. 
They couldn't help notice a word that you simply couldn't let go unsaid, even though you risk reputation in saying it. Some will notice. A seminary professor I had once told of a man in a parish who joined a well, the, the well-seasoned members of the evangelism committee. They were that day to go and make house calls, cold calls, going knocking on doors. One experienced and well-spoken member of the team was, was paired with a new one. Very shy, stammering, somewhat awkward man. And this seasoned member wasn't all that pleased about that. Off they went. The next Sunday there was a husband and wife couple visiting the church for the very first time. And so in conversation with them after the service, the pastor learned that they'd come because of a visit of these two men. And so naturally the pastor said, well, I suppose it was our seasoned evangelism member who introduced you to our church and, and told you about us and convinced you to come. And the husband responded, actually, no. It was the other man, that rather shy, somewhat self-conscious fellow. You see, knowing how hard it was for him to be here, or rather be there at our place, to, and to say what, what, he, what, what he had to really work to get himself to say, we figured this must be so important to him that he would put himself through all of that, that we had to come and see what this was all about. Led by the confession of Christ to his word and life-giving sacraments, those two were led to Christ himself, who comes to you by the Holy Spirit, comes to you even today through his word and his sacraments. Nicholas, at the end of the service today, you'll bear this crucifix, this cross, out in procession, recession. It's very fitting for the day. It's fitting for life, for the confession of the faith. And because of the confession of the faith, crosses will be borne by you. And they'll be borne by us all. Publicly, as you confess, the faith of your baptism, you ensure that. But you're bearing the cross, Nicholas, and in leading the, the recession, the exit out today, is fitting, I think, for another reason, too. As the church of our Lord Christ, the church of his Pentecost, as those called and kept by the gospel and enlightened by those sacred gifts, as, as those who bear his name, even as you do, Christian. It's fitting because as his church, we follow where our Lord, the Lord of the church leads, knowing that he leads and guides and defends us, the members of his church. The day of Pentecost, then, the heart of it wasn't a flash in time with rushing wind and tongues of fire. But it was the inauguration, the heart of it was the inauguration of the very word and sacrament method. A very methodical method instituted by which our Lord would, through the Holy Spirit, call and gather, enlighten, sanctify, and against all adversities keep us as blessed members of his church.
Christ. That's the beating heart of this day, the heart that beats on today for you in word and in sacrament. And it will never cease to pulse until the living Christ comes again. God keep us by his spirit in the faith until that day. Blessed Pentecost to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
according to their need, we pray. Holy Father, on this day we praise you for sending your promised Holy Spirit, that through the proclamation of Christ crucified and by your sacraments, he would create faith in hearts and sustain it. Grant that through the preaching of your mighty saving works, many would continue to call upon your name for salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, be the protector and defender of your people. By your Holy Spirit, preserve your church from confusion or concession of the truth. Grant each of your children courage in the confession of the faith, even in the face of persecution. Lord, in your mercy. To this end, good and gracious Father, bless Nicholas Reed, who this morning publicly confesses the faith you created within him at his baptism. Throughout all his days, strengthen him, we pray, in faith toward you and in love for others through the regular hearing of your word, and today and hereafter through the receiving of your son's very body and blood in the blessed sacrament of the Holy Supper. Continue to grant Nicholas your Holy Spirit that you might bring to his mind throughout his life the things that you have said and done for him, that kept in the faith he might at this life's end re receive by grace the crown of everlasting life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bestow your grace on all the nations of the earth. Bless our land and all its inhabitants and authorities. Grant wisdom to our president and to all who advise him in our Congress and the courts of our land. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless the men and women of our armed forces that they may accomplish the good that you would have them do to establish order and peace in the world. Work through your people in every vocation of life that good is accomplished among us and that the family is preserved in our society. To that end, bless the estate of marriage among us that it may be honored by all. Lord, in your mercy, graciously defend us from the destructive power of war and from natural disasters and harmful weather and illness and disease and accidents. Watch over all your people who travel in the days and weeks to come, that be it by land or air or sea, they will be protected by your holy angels and return safely home. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Make your presence known to those who are alone or lonely in this life and grant them the companionship of your Holy Spirit and the fellowship of your people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father in heaven, be the helper of the sick and those facing or recovering from surgery. We pray for Sean O'Brien, who undergoes cancer surgery tomorrow. We pray also for Audrey Christensen, the friend of Beverly Myers and Bobby Thomas, who suffers with cancer. Be with and bless those who contend with the physical and mental adversities of life and grant them your Holy Spirit's comfort as he assures them of his peace and his power to accomplish all that you desire for your people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, in your most blessed supper of your body and blood for the forgiveness of our sin, you bestow on us a peace that the world is not able to give and nor able to take away. Preserve this among us in its purity, that we might draw strength from it continually. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O oh, gracious God, as we journey through this earthly life, prepare us by your Holy Spirit for the world to come, that we may in true faith gratefully acknowledge all the blessings that you kindly bestow upon us in body and soul. 
Enable us by your Spirit's power to know and to do all that you would have us to know and to do, that it might be to your glory and for our good. And when our last hour comes, support each of us by your mighty power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom, where you live and reign with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, we continue with the rite of confirmation, and we sing to begin with the confirmation hymn printed in your service folder. Today, one young brother in Christ is prepared to publicly acknowledge and confess the faith in Christ which he was freely given by the gracious work of God's Spirit when he was baptized into Christ Jesus. He has been prepared for this public acknowledgement of our faith by satisfactorily completing two years of instruction in the teachings of the Lutheran Church. Furthermore, through an individual 30-minute interview with the pastors and elders, he has demonstrated an understanding of the doctrines of Scripture as taught in Luther's small catechism. Therefore, he today stands before you publicly to confess his baptismal faith, pledging himself to the triune God and to the doctrines of his holy word. The following catechumen is now presented for the rite of confirmation in the Lutheran Church of our Savior. Nicholas Christian Reed.
Beloved in the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ said to his apostles, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Nicholas, you have been baptized and catechized in, in the Christian faith according to our Lord's bidding. Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Nicholas, lift up your heart, therefore, to the God of all grace, and joyfully now give answer to what I ask you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you this day, in the presence of God and of this congregation, acknowledge the gift of faith that God has given you in your baptism? Yes, I do. Do you renounce the devil? Yes, I renounce the devil. Do you renounce all of his works? Yes, I renounce all of them. Do you renounce all of his ways? Yes, I renounce them. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Yes, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge both the living and the dead. And do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Do you hold all the prophetic and apostolic scriptures to be the inspired word of God? I do. Do you confess the doctrine of the evangelical Lutheran Church drawn from the scriptures as you have learned it from the small catechism of Martin Luther to be faithful and true? I do. Do you intend to hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper faithfully? I do by the grace of God. Do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith and word and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? I do by the grace of God. Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession in church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? I do by the grace of God. We rejoice with thankful hearts that you have been baptized and received the teaching of our Lord. You have confessed the faith and have been absolved of all of your sin. As you continue to hear the Lord's word and receive his blessed sacrament, he who has begun a good work in you will indeed bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus. Nicholas, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you new birth of water and the Spirit and has forgiven all of your sins, strengthen you with his grace to life everlasting. Amen. Nicholas Christian Reed, 
My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. St. John 10, verses 27 and 28. We join in prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, in the waters of holy baptism you have united your children in the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, cleansing them by his blood. Strengthen Nicholas by the gift of your Holy Spirit that he may live in daily contrition and repentance with faith that ever clings to his Savior. Deliver him from the power of Satan and preserve him from false and dangerous doctrines that he may remain faithful in hearing Christ's word and receiving his body and blood by the Holy Supper. The Lord's Supper strengthened him to believe that no one can make satisfaction for sin but Christ alone. Enable him to find joy and comfort only in Christ, learning from this sacrament to love you and his neighbor and to bear his cross with patience and joy until the day of the resurrection of his body to life immortal. Grant this unto us all. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We now continue with the liturgy of Holy Communion. We rise. The Lord be with you. that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who ascended above the heavens, and sitting at your right hand poured out on this day the promised Holy Spirit, the Spirit on his chosen disciples. For all this the whole earth rejoices with exceeding joy. Therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you, and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of God and light, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, 
We beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh. We thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace.